Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs. Or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to this week's play-by-play of the Hang Time Podcast. Joining us now... TNT analyst Kevin McHale. I tell you what, for Vikings fans, Green Bay playing the Bears is like, do you want to get hung or do you want to get shot? With your host, Galliot Anderson, stops it now behind his head. Saku Smith and Lang Whitaker. The NBA's executive vice president of basketball, Richard Stu Jackson, is joining us now on the podcast. I wanted to ask you, Stu, the players see you coming, do they get out of the way now? No, the worst thing that happened to me was uh, caller ID. Sports editor of the nation, Dave Zyron. Only the Knicks for $100 million would sign somebody with one eye and two microfracture surgeries. But shut my mouth. He's our most important New York Jew since Woody Allen. Now it's time for the tip-off. Hangtime Podcast coming to you live. Seku Smith from the Hangtime blog at NBA.com. Lang Whitaker, my co-host in New York City. Lang, how are you? Happy Valentine's Day. <laughs> yeah, right. Slam Magazine Zone. Are you guys having a Valentine's Day party up there at the Slam Dome? <laughs> no. We're having a proofreading party. <laughs> Slam Dome. Candy treats for all? Yes. <laughs> I bought a card, though. Yes, I got. I had to get wifey a card and yeah. uh, some flourish. And, yeah. uh, you know, at this stage of the game, I, I'm so cliche with it. You know, I'm sure I, I'm sure there's some creative thing I'm I'm supposed to be doing, you know, at this point to, to spice up Valentine's Day. But are you gonna write a? Are you gonna happen? A, are you gonna write a note in the card? Uh, you know, like a long note? No. Uh, that's what I, that's what I did to get her. Um, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you nobody ever. Nobody. Nobody told me how, what you're supposed to do at this point. So. Uh, our super producer, Micah Hart, is back there behind the glass along with Lane Krause pushing all the buttons. Guys, I hope hope you uh, got out early and did your Valentine's Day stuff because uh, they, they, it's a little sad around here right now. I, I don't have a clue. You know, Lang's at work. <laughs> I hope somebody's doing it big on Valentine's Day. But uh, big week, Lang, huge week, uh, all-star week in the NBA going on. Uh, but an even bigger past few days um you know we got another chance to see boston and miami play each other uh sunday and uh any any impressions after three straight celtics wins in that series during the regular season i know i know they don't mean anything come playoff time as everybody likes to point out but i think the celtics are really good (laughs) (laughs) i I, I guarantee you i guarantee you the miami heat would say the same thing but it was a this was an interesting game a little chippiness you know yeah. Uh, KG uh, delivering his usual uh, high elbow 
picks and Dwayne Wade not liking it. Yeah. Uh, D Wade going at KG a little bit, and then I loved when Rondo do you know tried to sneak his way into the uh, Heat huddle. <laughs> you know, what I mean, it's, I like the gamesmanship going on if these guys see each other in the postseason. Yeah, that if if, they, if that ends up being the Eastern Conference Finals, uh, I don't think any of us will be unhappy. <laughs> Because those have been great games all season. And I mean, and as as good as Boston looked, and as much as they seemed like they were in control the whole game, it still came down to the you know, final possession for Miami. Yeah, so. I, I mean, uh, Mike Miller had the wide open look. Yeah. Uh, it didn't fall, but I mean, he had the, he got the look you would want. Uh, I, do you think the postseason brings a, a different Miami Heat team, maybe if, you know, if they get some bodies back healthy, certain guys. I mean, and obviously the Celtics would look a little different, you know, with with some of the other guys healthy, namely Shaquille O'Neal um, didn't play yesterday. Uh, you know, Jermaine O'Neal potentially, I guess, could be back in the mix, Delonte West. But do you think a whole lot changes in terms of the dynamic of this rivalry between these two teams? Because from where I sit, if Rajon Rondo's healthy, the Heat – you know the the problem's going to stay the same for the Heat. They don't have anybody really that could. That's a good match on Rajon Rondo. I agree with you. I th- you know I also think that you know the way Miami has has been successful this year has been by playing a little more up tempo and right. and the playoffs. It always tends to be more of a half court right um, type of game, and and Boston's just built for that. You know, and I talk I talked to LeBron last summer and asked him why Cleveland got knocked out by Boston. He was said that. It was just the Boston was so consistent, and they were able to do what they do and every single night, you know, in the, throughout the playoffs. And I, I don't think that's changed at all. I still think Boston is um, in the half court, especially is the most consistent team in the conference, yeah. if not the league. And, and that's going to be tough for anyone to get through. Yeah. Uh, the Magic had a big win. That you know held the Lakers to yeah. a season low thirty five points. Another one of these marquee games. And I don't know. Is it me, Micah? Is it? Is it me or do these games suddenly seem to take center stage this time of year, every year? You know, once the NFL's kind of out of the way and, you know, college football's completing the books. I, the schedule makers must get this too. I mean, they start scheduling these Sunday games, obviously, uh, for TV. But I don't, I don't know if I've been skeptical of the Magic, you know, in terms of what they might be able to do. And, and this win, I know it was a big win for them, but it didn't, it didn't make me feel any better about that Magic team. Lang, uh, why not? I don't know. I just I, it when you catch the Lakers, you know, on the back end of this long road trip. Yeah. You know, had they popped them last week or in the middle, you know, on a Wednesday night or Thursday night or something like that, it might have stuck out to me more. But I, you know, I'm watching the Lakers. I'm just seeing a team that's kind of, you know, they just got done playing big games on, you know, on big stages. And I don't know. Maybe the Lakers. You know, I don't want to make excuses for the Lakers or, or diminish Orlando's win, but it just didn't have the same playoff field to me like some of these other games we've seen lately yeah i would agree with you I, it was i don't know they seemed a little underwhelmed yeah to me yesterday yeah. and they play again tonight <laughs> they play <laughs> charlotte tonight yeah in charlotte so like they, they've had a tough schedule this last week or so yeah well i mean not only do we have all-star weekend coming up in los angeles um we got the trade deadline kind of sitting back there yep. eyeballing us you know, 10 days away. Um, are you expecting fireworks? Looking ahead a little bit, are you expecting fireworks next week at trade deadline time, or are you are you thinking it'll be uh, maybe not as, as crazy as we're expecting? I mean, I, I think the only big trade, that, and we've been talking about this since November, <laughs> is Carmelo, you know. What's um, his name again? Carmelo? 
Yeah, Anthony. <laughs> I think it's the last name. But I, I don't. I mean, other than that, I, I don't. I don't think there's going to be anything huge going down. I mean, I, but there always something always happens that you don't expect. But I, you know, I just don't think there's any. any Big time fireworks. What do you What do you think? What do you see? I don't. I, I feel like there's a a lot of simmering, you know, uh, things going on, kind of behind the scenes. If you think about some of these players who could be in play, um, you know, I got Jamal Crawford who joined us last week on the Hang Time Podcast as a guy whose name keeps coming to mind. You know, just there are several guys who are in the last year deals and that sort of thing. I know we have the collective bargaining agreement conversation that's going to go on through All-Star Weekend and, in, you know, and into July. Um, but to me, if you're a team that's trying to make a move or trying to you know, kind of tweak your roster a little bit just to be a little more competitive maybe in the playoffs or to, or right. to stock away some talent or monies or whatever, I just feel like there are more guys that, that we should be talking about. And unfortunately, all we, you know, we've been swamped with Carmelo talk nonstop. Yeah. So we've kind of overlooked that. And I would love for a lot of teams to get busy next week and start doing some stuff that we didn't see coming. That would be great. Um, but I agree. I just don't know. What. I don't know what. Yeah. kind of seems to me like uh, that with all the uncertainty, teams not wanting to do things about the labor, it seems like the teams that are willing to take that risk could maybe end up, you know, making a real like making some real trades that you wouldn't see other Absolutely. other years being made and Absolutely. maybe making some differences before the end of this season whereas you wouldn't see that in the past i just don't know you know there's there's a very clear sort of hierarchy in each conference yeah. of in the east you know it's boston miami and chicago orlando atlanta and then from then no one's really close to them at the top of each conference and i don't know yeah. if you're one of those teams say in the east if you're a new york or philly or indiana or charlotte if you make a trade is that going to you know, realistically jump you into that top four. Right. Well, I think there are two teams that, that kind of strike me as, or okay. at least, well, there's one team for sure that to me would seem, seem like a team that could be in play come trade deadline. And that's Cleveland. Um, mm-hmm. They just snapped their 26 game losing streak last Friday, beating the Clippers. And then they started up another streak Sunday night while the Washington Wizards snapped their 25-game road-losing streak. Jameson yeah. seems like he really wasn't kidding about not wanting other teams to have to go through that kind of misery. <laughs> I mean, I just, for some reason, I'm thinking Cleveland's been real quiet for a long time, and they, you know, this is this could be their opportunity to maybe shift some things and, and get something done at the trade deadline. They got, you know, they got a, some really good resources to work with, obviously, in Jameson, and I, they, I believe they still have the trade exception they got this summer. Yeah. So they have some tools to work with, and then the the team that's kind of been mentioned as a as an underdog for Carmelo um, that I think could be a player come trade deadline is uh, Houston. Um, mm-hmm. They also have that uh, exception for Yao, um, you know, allowing them to do some things, and then they have some guys on expiring deals. I know Shane Battier is is a guy whose name I've heard out of the mouth of a couple of NBA people last you know the last week or so. I just feel like. I don't know. I'm, maybe it's wishful thinking on my part, and you know, I love chaos. I'm hoping that we get that things get crazy after uh, after a good All Star weekend. That we, you know, we have a couple of days where things just go haywire in terms of player movement, and we get some some busy stuff on uh, trade deadline day. I just wonder if if say Houston makes a trade for Carmelo, you know, a is he going to stay there long term? But b does Carmelo, you know, 
make them a, a go from a team that's whatever they are now, 20 games out of the one spot now. Right. I mean, they're, right now they're 11th in the Western Conference. Yeah. I mean, does that – is that enough playoff yeah. team or yeah, is that I don't know. second or third round? You know, I don't know. I mean, my Grizzlies are are, are hanging tough in the West too. Yeah. Um, you know, trying to fight for the A spot, and uh, I I don't know. It, it it should get very interesting. The other thing that we we obviously have to mention from a from a really busy week this past week in the NBA is Jerry Sloan stepping yeah. down after twenty three years, which was a stunner. It was uh, shocking. Yeah, I mean, an absolute stunner last week. Uh, so apparently, there was a blow up in the locker room. Um, you know, at halftime of their loss to the Bulls last week. And the next day, Sloan just comes in and says it's it's a wrap. And and Darren Williams has been getting a lot of heat from a lot of people, not from me, because um, I don't uh, – Jerry Sloan coached 23 years in Salt Lake City as a head coach. Nobody was going to make him quit. You know what I mean? Exactly. He, he made the decision to, to stop. And I don't I don't think it's fair or right to give anybody else – Credit for, credit for that, but uh, Darren Williams is certainly taking a lot of arrows from a lot of people uh, for whatever role I they think he played. Today was really good about that. It was excellent. NBA. Yeah, it was yeah. excellent on NBA.com where he wrote about how um, just how it all went down and how they how the owner there tried to try to talk, talk him out of it. Basically, yeah, yeah, I wanted him to stay till All Star. <laughs> but Sloan, from according to what they said, was Sloan was just like, look, I don't, I don't have anything left to give. Right. Right, um, and I can see after twenty three years, you know, twenty three years of doing anything <laughs> as often as you <laughs> run an NBA team, I, I can see just feeling wiped out from it. Yeah, I mean, I, we're gonna, we're going to have a guest on today on the uh, show to that's an insider out there in Salt Lake City that's going to give us some, you know, give us some of the background and, and talk, to, you know, talk a little bit about what went down and how stunned everybody out there was. Uh, but I, you you nailed it. I think DA's morning tip, which is on NBA dot com, um, every Monday you got to check it out if you're a basketball fan of any of any ilk. Uh, he, I thought he broke down a lot of the details that people maybe overlooked, and the fact that it is a new dynamic out there. Um, you know, with Greg mm-hmm. Miller taking over, you know, for the late Larry Miller, it changes a lot of things if you're Jerry Sloan. You know what I mean? You've had all you know. You've had all these years where you're dealing with certain people, and now something comes up, and you're looking around, and you're dealing with a different part of the family, different different faces. Um, you know, maybe he did look around and say, "Hey, you know, 23 years of this, and uh, you know, maybe my motor doesn't rev like it used to, and you know, maybe it's time to to try mm-hmm. something else." So, um, but like I said, Lang, we're gonna. We're going to dive into this topic uh, with our first guest here on the Hangtime Podcast, um, David Locke, uh, who's the uh, host of Sports on thirteen twenty K Fan, the, the radio station that did the interview with Darren Williams last week after uh, all this stuff happened. They had an exclusive with him, which was great. You got to check that out. And uh, he's also the Jazz play-by-play announcer. So uh, we'll we'll talk with David Locke here and see if he can kind of put some pieces together for us on this whole Jerry Sloan thing. Joining us now on the Hangtime Podcast, David Locke, a good friend of the program. Hasn't been on yet. This is the first time he's been on. So, uh, I mean, I, I have to apologize, <laughs> David, that we, we took this long. I, I hate that it took such sh- shocking news for us to get, get you on here. But uh, Jerry Sloan, uh, can you explain to us just what kind of knee-knocking this sent around the state of Utah when he, when he announced that he was resigning? 
So there are moments in our lives, some are tragic, where the foundation that we know to be true is ripped away from us. Yeah. And truly, I know like if you run through those moments, I'm, I'm not saying any specific moments because I understand the difference between a real tragedy and a sports issue. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't actually mean your emotions that different. Right. Does that make sense? No, it does. It does. So you know, go go through the moments of your life where, and often it's tragic, where something happens and your foundation is completely lost. That's how jazz fans feel. Mm-hmm. And honestly, I think that's how a lot of us that are on the traveling group of the jazz feel mm-hmm. because this guy was the foundation and security for all of us. That he's there, we're going to be okay. I kind of feel like we just became a normal NBA franchise for the first time in 23 years. Wow. The thing this, David, the thing this reminded me of is having grown up an Atlanta Braves fan and Bobby Cox leaving, you know, after 20 years, and, and, and you think, oh, this is our guy and he's here every day. And, you know, that's the consistency, the thing that keeps you going. The difference here is that it just... You know, in the middle of the week last week, a couple of days after we heard he had signed this extension, and now he's gone. I mean, is it was it just that shocking that it happened like that? Well, can I clarify one thing on that extension? Sure. A really, really, really good reporter got caught by small market Utah, <laughs> and that is that Jerry's extension every year in November is kind of a non-story to us. Right. Mm-hmm. And so that was actually signed back in November. Okay. And a really, really good reporter went and asked Jerry about the extension and what his plans were. And Jerry said, oh, I've signed my extension. And my guess is that he went and did a web search and it barely showed up anywhere. Right. Right. And so he's like, holy smokes, I just stumbled onto something big. And okay. so as is the case often when you're in our size market, then it goes national and everyone just assumes that's news. But I think if you actually look back at our radio station reported it in November and and but I and I think it was for us in Utah that this maybe sums it up the best, Lang. Mm-hmm. Like that's a non story. It <laughs> hardly even gets anything more than a note on probably a notebook. Wow. Mm-hmm. Now Jerry signed his yearly one extension <laughs> right, to evaluate right. at the end of the season. Because Jerry downplays it. Jerry always said this doesn't actually mean anything because I'm going to just quit when it's time. Right. David, were so. you – Were you? So was it time? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's the, that's the, the Was thing. that what it was? Yeah. It was just time? I, so I would say t- this whole quest for a gotcha moment that a bunch of people tried to report I think is really inaccurate. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Were there problems specifically with Darren and Jerry? Sure. No question. As there are with – like George, I, I asked a friend of mine, Kevin Calabro, you guys oh, know yeah. him well. Oh, yeah. I said, and he called me, he said, what the heck, you know, like everybody, right? <laughs> and I know KC well enough, he actually got a call back to anybody else listening who didn't, I apologize. Um, <laughs> and I said, dude, how would have a 68-year-old George Carl dealt with a 25-year-old Gary Payton? Mm-hmm. And I think that's part of it, but I also think it's everything. Okay. I think it's, I think it's that you have a player in this day and age who gets hurt and says, oh, I'll be back Monday. And it's Wednesday. And he's like, what? How will you be back? Well, we have a game Friday and Saturday against guys we really need you for. We That you have, that frankly, a player in this day and age can change a plane flight or a hotel, right? Mm-hmm. That a that you have a practice. We had a practice. Um, and I'm not saying these are the reasons. I don't want to throw like any. I think everyone's trying to find the reason because it's so stunning. And I don't want to say any individual's fault, but like. 
I'm just I don't know this for a fact. He never really said anything to me on this. But like we're in LA on a four game losing streak and a bunch of contest winners got to fly to LA and see us see the team practice. What do you think a Hall of Fame coach thinks of having a bunch of fans in the practice on a four game losing streak <laughs> before getting ready for the Lakers? Right. And I just think all of those things combined, you look around and you're like, forget it. And they blew up at halftime that day. I'm sure it didn't help. Yeah. So Maybe, I, I think there's a lot. Does that make sense? Like, I don't. I think no, it, it does. It does. But I, I hate to portray Jerry as anything other than, you know, as strong as can be because that's not fair. He he is as strong and forceful. Though the people around, some people think he's gotten tired. And we have, whether these are related or not, we have practiced less than we have in the fact. But I can't imagine he's ever short shifting a job for one second of his day. Well, that, that was the thing that concerned me is that I heard a lot of people talking about Darren Williams. He wants to work harder and he wants to watch more film and he wants to do this and they're not doing that. And it made it sound like Jerry had some outdated, you know, style of coaching that somehow made this team struggle all of a sudden that he hasn't done the past 23 years that correct me if I'm wrong there hasn't been a whole lot of losing seasons <laughs> no, in his 23 years no stretch. no in fact I I believe um just to make everybody understand what kind of coach this guy is I believe and I'm, I'm doing this off the top of my head he won his 1200th game this year if I remember correctly and we figured out that that was 14 and a half 82 and 0 seasons <laughs> That's amazing. Wow. Right? Like, yeah. like most coaches don't actually survive 14 years, and this was 14 and a half, 82 and 0 seasons. Yeah. Even with the line rosters that Phil Jackson's had, he can't do that. Um, so, but Jerry does have some different philosophies. One thing is Jerry doesn't like film. Mm-hmm. In a right. day and age where everyone loves film, Jerry doesn't. I've talked to him about this. This is what I think, and that might be wrong. Okay, and Jerry's open to it. Hey, I might be wrong. But it's not because he doesn't like to do it because he's tired. It, he doesn't like to do it because he doesn't believe in negative reinforcement. Right. Mm-hmm. He thinks sitting around a room watching film, telling his players how much they suck for not rotating correctly, is not going to make them play better on Thursday. Right. Um, you know, they give every player on our team gets a DVD before and after every game, and so a little bit Jerry probably assumes it's up to them. Um, I think part of what, Darren was frustrated on, and I think is legitimate, is there may that the amount of teaching that had to be done this year mm-hmm. with seven new pieces right. was extraordinary, which could be another piece to the puzzle. Right. Yeah. You know, have, you, have either of you guys ever been in Greg Popovich's or Mike Brown's office? Yes. Sure. They both have the same poem on the wall. Right. Does anybody about remember the, it? About the it's, rock? Yeah. Pounding the rock. Yeah. Right. It's the Spa- it's some Spanish poet who writes about pounding the rock. And it's not one hit, right? It's right. you pound it, pound it, pound it, pound it, pound it. Finally, it, sh- it breaks it breaks apart. And that's and that's how they that's their thing of how you win a championship. I, I kind of think this is how you get a legend to retire. <laughs> too. Right. You know, well, because he is the rock. I mean, the man is granite. Well, David, with, you know, Jerry aside. You know, if we can do that for a second, there. You know, people who watch the Jazz all the time, and I, and I, I follow you on Twitter at Locked On Sports, so I know you talk about you know plenty of stuff going on with the Jazz. Pick and roll defense. You know, the rebounding. Al Jefferson. You know, maybe not fitting in as well as as quickly as some people have wanted. How much of those things have contributed to the Jazz's not being able to play to the level they wanted to play at? I mean, well, how, the, all these the, other things, you know. The defense is a problem, and I know the two of you are not big stats guys. 
<laughs> I listen. To the He's hang- listened to the Hang Time I Podcast. I listen to the Hang Time Podcast, and every time you say that, Seku, I'm like, oh, come on, man. <laughs> I love you, guy, but come on. <laughs> I have nothing against stats. I I just I can't spell the word statistic. (laughs) Okay, I'm going to geek you out for a moment here. All right, can can I have the right? Feel free. Can I have the right to geek you out here for a second? Yeah, we we better call John Schumann first and make sure. Yeah, John Schumann. (laughs) I actually think I I I added John Schumann the other day on this one because I thought it was so interesting. I thought he should write about it, and I knew that little old me in Salt Lake City keeps writing about it. No one's going to talk about it, so (laughs) I just give my good ideas to you, powerful (laughs) national people, and then hopefully somebody figures out. One of the more underrated defensive skills is defensive rebounding. Mm-hmm. Everyone wants to talk about how crappy a defensive player Carlos Boozer is, and he's not great. He was pretty horrible against us the other night. But the dude is one of the best defensive rebounders in the game. And his loss has killed us. Listen to this. Last year, the Utah Jazz, against the shot defensively, about the exact same as they were this year. In fact, they ranked 13th against the shot this year. They're 15th. Last year, forcing turnovers, they were seventh. This year, they're the sixth best at forcing turnovers. And as has always been the case on a Jerry Sloan team, we send people to the free throw line more than anyone in their lifetime should ever go. The difference on this team is last year, they cleared 76% of defensive rebounds, and this year, they clear 72%. They've slipped from fifth in the league in defensive rebounding to 27th. That is the only change defensively on this team, and that has slipped them from 10th in the league to 18th in the league defensively. Mm. Well. See? Come on. <laughs> Give me a little. I know you're bored. No, you're no, like falling I, asleep, and you're no, kind of no. like the Coyote and the Roadrunner cartoon no, right no. now. To, I mean, to me, that speaks almost to, to what a slim margin of error there was. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like, yeah. And that one thing there can, can you know, bump them to now we're there fighting to make the playoffs. But Lang, I think that's the case. I don't remember I don't remember who it was, someone, but somebody recently gosh, who was it? Somebody recently made this big off season move. It might have been like I think it was the Chicago Bulls mm-hmm. back mm-hmm. in their previous and they added another defensive player. I was like, you guys are already number one in the league defensively. You can't <laughs> get any better. What are you doing? Like I think that's to the I mean, what? The average game is 190 trips up and down, right, and decided by three points. Yeah. Like the margin is slim. It's why it's why you look around the NBA as much as fans want to hate it. You know, if you get injured, you go from being a, a really good team to 500. Yeah. Look at look at you know we lost Mehmet Okor for the year. Portland lost Brandon Roy and Greg Oden for huge periods. Houston's lost Yao Ming. What happens to all of us? We all go from being really good to 500. It's, I know it's boring. Fans no, hate no, that crap, it's, but it's, it's the truth. truth. It's the truth. I mean, and we, we knock stats around here only to knock the guys who love stats around here. So yeah, we, only so that when I'm driving my car, <laughs> listen to the Hang Time Podcast. Come on. <laughs> and Lang, I just want to let you know, for some reason, it's only Sekou's fault. That's fine. <laughs> well, Do you have a stat for that? No. <laughs> yeah, it's Sekou's efficiency rating very poor. Yeah, my efficiency rating is shot. My PER is in the, in the cellar. I don't understand PER uh, either, by the way. David, I'm I'm curious, you know, and it's it's a testament to Jerry Sloan that we've taken this long to get to him. But what do we get with the Ty Corbin coach Jazz team? I mean, what what's in what should we be in store for? I mean, he what's he been seven seasons? He worked under Sloan, so I mean, it's not like this guy's coming in and going to change everything that's worked all these years. I mean, he'd be nuts to come in and try and scrap everything they've done. Let's go positive first, and then I'll give you a negative. <laughs> I love him. 
I think there's an argument for the Utah Jazz that this act is as kind of earth-shattering as this is. It could be pretty positive. Your other scenario that could have happened pretty easily is you go to the end of the season, Ty gets hired by somebody, we have the lockout, and Jerry says, screw it. Yeah. Right? Clearly he was close. Right. Mm-hmm. And now you're dead because Ty was getting hired. I know of two I know of two general managers in the league who either have openings or will have openings who uh, had him as one or two on their list. Right. So he He's was getting a job. The past few seasons too, right? With yeah. Other, yeah. Well, I know he, I was, he was high on the list here in Atlanta well, you know, when love, they were just looking around. If I didn't love Larry Drew I'd, and Dwayne Casey, I would have said that they made a mistake. Um, <laughs> they, they probably should have hired Dwayne as much as I like Larry. But, um, but I, I – He's coached, he played under Lenny Wilkins, Pat Riley, Bill Musselman, Jerry Sloan, and shoot, one of, and Cotton Fitzsimmons. Pretty good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not bad. Played under Ray Meyer DePaul, coached under Jerry. He's very, very bright. He's a really good human. Um, you know, you guys have both been on the beat before, and he's the guy I go to with a young family. Like, how do you keep this thing together? Mm. And he's the one who's done it. He's got a fabulous family. So he's great. Now, here's the negative. And I think this is going to be hard for Jazz fans. Monty Williams this year is about as good as any first-year coach I've ever seen in the NBA. Do you guys agree with me? I don't disagree with you. Yeah, okay. absolutely. And he's really good for yeah. a first-year head coach. Early in the year, the Jazz played the Hornets, and Jerry just killed him. Mm-hmm. I mean, annihilated him. Rarely have I ever seen a coach so obviously, in my opinion, beat another coach. Mm-hmm. There's just no way somebody can equal the 23 years of experience and Phil Johnson next to him right. who know every single thing, and particularly early in the year. I think that's why we won so many games this year is because early in the year, Jerry was just better than everybody else as a coach, and then people figured out what was wrong with the team, but Jerry hid it from everybody for the first 30 <laughs> games of the year. No, that's a great point that nobody brings up because, you know, NBA coaches get – if you don't win a championship, you know, there's no real qualifier for what you do as a coach sometimes. You know, people can't say, well, this guy coached and and did this, this, and this. And it's like, yeah, but if you don't win a championship, who cares? Um, where do you think Jerry Sloan fits in the in the coaching annals of the NBA? Because that one thing, that one glaring thing that's going to be missing, obviously, is he didn't win a championship. And it doesn't that, that doesn't mean anything to me, and it doesn't change – the respect that I have for him, but there are a lot of people who are going to look at it and say, well, all that, but he doesn't have this title. He probably sits very similar to the way Stockton Malone do in history. It's mm-hmm. a good point. Mm-hmm. They're long, I mean, you admire their longevity, their consistency, their, the, in the case, you know, never being hurt, kind of, which is the same, never being fired, uh, though Jerry's fired in Chicago. Um, and yet you, you do have that little thing where like, gosh, they never won it. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, they're really, they're, there really were two teams that should have won it. They had they had two teams that should have won it. Uh, the last Bulls championship, the Jazz were a better team, and the year in which Houston won it when Jordan when Jordan was out, they knocked the Jazz off early in that playoffs when they came kind of had the when remember when they had the, the low seed team that won it. I think they beat the Jazz in the first round that year. Sure. And that that Jazz team was probably the best team in the Western Conference that year. So there's two years where I would say they should have won it, but I, I'm so kind of with what you're implying, Seku, that this idea that there can only be one coach every year, like yeah, it, right. it, it, there are only three active coaches that have won a title, right? As far as I know, you know, it's kind of crazy. So I I, it's such a stupid way to say, oh, only one coach is good enough. I mean, you know, oh, so evidently only Doc Rivers, Phil, and 
whomever else has won the title. Yeah, Doc, so, yeah. you know, Phil and Pop are and the Pop. only ones running around. Right, so they're the only ones who can coach. I mean, that's just a – Rick Carlisle has, you know, been flat-out brilliant at every stop he's been in his career. Yeah. Uh, well, David, we'll, we got to wrap up, but I'll, I'll ask you this last question and get you out of here. I heard the interview you did with Darren Williams last week, which was fantastic, by the way. Thank um, you. And I'm curious – there was a, a there was some laughter on his part, but I couldn't you know without being able to see his face, you couldn't really tell how pissed off he was. I I, I sensed that he was really upset that he was kind of catching a lot of heat about it. But you seen him and and spoken with him. Tell me the level of of disdain he must have right now for the national media and these people who kind of parachuted in and and made all these assumptions about what had gone on out there. I think he's really hurt. I don't know if he. I, I think disdain. I don't know if he has disdain. Mm-hmm. I mean, disdain is, I think, kind of feeling that someone's not worthy, right? Isn't that the definition? Yeah. Well, he mentioned that he. The reason he uh, he gives the cold shoulder in, in interviews is because you know these national guys show up and try and play buddy, and then they kill him when they leave. And I. I, I can't swear on the podcast, right? Even though it's a podcast. We've right. had people swear on the podcast before, but if you want to, you know, he's if you want to stay in good standing, I wouldn't do. Yeah, it. he's the only one who's not full of crap. Right. Right. Like. Chris Paul is fabulous. He, he he fakes. He does the media game as well as he does a crossover. <laughs> right? We like we like guys who do the media game well. Though. Right? Okay. I'm not gonna knock anybody that does that. <laughs> no, right? But Darren, that's not who Darren is. That's not who Darren is. Right? Darren is a surly, moody, competitive. Probably a little bit of an esso, right? Yeah, that's how I like my point guard. Okay, <laughs> right. I love him. Like I want that on my team every day. <laughs> right. I think it's been part of the pro. You know, I I truly think I haven't talked to him about this, and I usually, if I make a comment like this, I talk to him about it. But I kind of feel one of the problems the Jazz team has had this year is that with all the new pieces, the guys like Miles and Millsap and Karolinko have this relationship with Darren over time, and they know that he's just not the biggest jerk on the face of the planet. And some of the new guys, I think, are trying to figure that out still. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Like that's part of you know he's pretty tough to deal with. Some of the time. So Darren just doesn't play this game, and then he gets punished for it. And I think that's, you know, I, I, I think he knows why, but I think that, you know, he this was his point on that was like, everyone tells me i got to be nice in the media. Why? <laughs> They're making up crap that is making me look is I mean, those stories were blatantly untrue. Yeah. I mean, it's really incredible, frankly. I mean, I know that those guys, I know these guys, and we know they didn't, they didn't make it up, okay? But they they didn't w- want to make the next phone call to get it confirmed. Right. They wanted to go with their source. Sure. And that's a huge problem in our, in our world right now. You know, Kevin O'Connor called the reports that Jerry – that J- Darren at, went to the front office and said it's either me or him, and the report that Jerry Sloan wanted to suspend Darren and the organization said no as blatant falsehoods and lies – Okay, but that means to me that no reporter call, picked up the phone to call the organization to find out whether or not what they're, you know, fine, make that call and then report. I have a source that's telling me this. The organization denies it. Right. Mm-hmm. That's responsible. I kind of think just going out there on your source that might have an axe to grind inside a team or something of that nature is, is tough. And Darren's hurt by that. I think Darren's hurt that clearly some of his teammates threw him under the bus, right? It sounds like it, or or former teammates, whatever. Well, somebody I mean, in the yeah, locker room threw him somewhere. under the bus. Yeah. So I think that hurts him an awful lot. So he's hurt, and I think he's hurt that the fans think he would do it. I mean, his comment was, like, "How dumb do you think I am?" Yeah. 
And and I think in the back of his mind, truly, he's saying, wait a second. I'm not even sure I'm staying here in a year and a half. Why would I try to throw out a Hall of Famer? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and like I, I lied. I said we'd get you out of here, but. No, oh, that's fine. On, on the way out the door here. Do, are we are we sitting here in a year and a half and wondering, you know, talking about the fact that Darren Williams is maybe not staying around and whatever the fallout from Jerry Sloan leaving plays a bigger role in that maybe than it would have had Sloan stayed? Lang, you grew up where? Atlanta. You live where? New York. How come? Got a job. <laughs> to, to you, had a job in, you had a job in Atlanta, didn't you? Yeah, but then my, my fiancé moved here. Oh, Okay. And uh, Seku, you grew up where? Grand Rapids, Michigan. Oh, you live where? Atlanta, Georgia. And you worked for whom? NBA.com. And before that? Uh, Atlanta Journal-Constitution. And before that? A couple other newspapers. Don't want to mention them by name. Don't want to oh. give them any love on this. Okay, side. but you, mo- you moved, <laughs> right? Absolutely. Is this a job interview? <laughs> Why are we so blown away when an athlete want- moves a city? We all do it. I, I mean, I've done it three times. Right. Well, I mean, it, like I said, we don't have to have that conversation now. But when the next time we have you on the Hang Time Podcast, David, um, I we mean, will I'm definitely a, dig into it. Right. But I just think. <laughs> right. But that's my point. You understand my point? No, right? absolutely. You're right. Definitely. Like it's free agency. They sign their contracts. They have every right to decide where they want to live the next part of their lives. Yeah. And I have, I just have so little problem with these players wanting to leave. And I actually, the thing I really don't understand about it is, I don't see it as a slap in the face to the city that they're leaving. I know every fan does, but I worked in Salt Lake City, Utah, and got a job offer to go to Seattle, and I went because I just need to go find, see something else. Right. At the exact age that these guys are, and so did. I, does that mean I didn't like Salt Lake? No, but I had to go somewhere else, and I then came back. Mm-hmm. At a later point, because my career spans more than nine years. <laughs> right, right. So, no I, is Darren possibly going to leave? Sure. Why? He's earned that right to look around and find out what his best situation is, and I can't imagine why he wouldn't strongly consider it the same way all of us and every other person strongly considers going to another spot or another opportunity. Right. Well, we appreciate it, David. And uh, like I said, we'll, we will talk to you again on the Hang Time Podcast. So. Keep that keep that line open, all right? Yeah, and Lang, Seiko will tell you. Be careful, because I have my own little tiny mini mini podcast, and that oh, means I know. You're, you're, you're in trouble. You're on I'm the ready. list now. Okay, see you, buddy. All right, David Locke, thank you, man. Thanks, see you guys. Appreciate it. That's some that's some interesting talk, Lang, about you know Jerry Sloan and, and Darren Williams and that relationship. Um, most people I know consider that that point guard head coach relationship in the NBA is crucial as you know, say the quarterback head coach relationship in football. Yeah. Um, and we'll swing into our next guest here who we love having on the Hang Time Podcast, so we appreciate him coming on. Kenny Smith, TNT's very own and a, and a stellar point guard in his own right. Kenny, how you doing, man? I'm doing well, man. How you guys doing? We're good. We're good. good. We just spent the last few minutes talking about Jerry Sloan and Darren Williams and that relationship, Kenny. How, how delicate is that balance, the head coach and his point guard? Well, I, I think honestly, I think it's been this is kind of being a little bit blown out of proportion. Yeah. Um, there's about maybe seven coaches that no one player or no one incident can make them not be there anymore. Mm-hmm. And uh, Sloan is one of them. Phil Jackson's another. Uh, Greg Popper is another. You know, guys that 
no matter what happens with their players and their individual things, they're not going to leave. And so, you know, the argument that Darren Williams had something to do with him getting fired is is just, uh, I think, blown out of way proportion. Yeah. Kenny, this is uh, Lang from Slam. But we we were talking just in general, like, is you, you as a point guard, was having a a good relationship with your coach important? Uh, Was that a key to your success in the NBA? I mean, having, having a relationship, you know, is in, I think it's, it, can, it helps you be for, successful. But honestly, you know, Rudy Tom Jonathan wasn't a guy who um, would sit his point guard down and, and have these meetings like uh, mm-hmm. I did in college with North Carolina. When I was in North Carolina, we had two meetings uh, a week. We'd have a meeting on game day for 10 to 15 minutes and just kind of implemented what he wanted. So Coach Smith and I had a connection that was, you know, I thought was impeccable. But in the NBA – Rudy barely talked to me. You know, that's just the way he was. You know, that was his personality. So um, it was a little bit different. But in terms of I think it helps. I think it's best when it does. And the other thing, you know, guys, we've never heard anything about Darren Williams and, and, and Jerry Sloan not getting along. We never heard anything about that until the, until the day he left. Right. So to me, that would even would give it more fuel to the fire because all we kept hearing was how – Darren enjoyed being there, and he was the he was the one guy, you know, that was going to stick through thick and thin with the Utah Jazz. No, that's a great point. Great point. And uh, shifting gears from from Jerry Sloan and, and the Utah Jazz, we've been talking for a long time here. Now it's All Star Week, and uh, before we get there, Thursday night's TNT broadcast got a doubleheader: of the Bulls and the and the Spurs and the Mavericks and the Suns. Kenny, we know you'll be in the uh, studio with Charles doing your thing. But this, it's party time, All-Star Week, and uh, we, we hadn't received our invitations yet. We, Lang and I are still looking in the mail. We, we, we're hopeful we're getting some invites to Kenny Smith's All-Star Bash, but we hadn't seen them yet. Yes. You will get your, <laughs> I will have them sent over directly via carrier. Yes. He wasn't too fast with that response. Directly like, via carrier. Without <laughs> question, Friday night in L.A., Exclusive invite only. You can't pay to get in. You gotta know somebody that <laughs> knows right. somebody that knows somebody to get into the music box that night. That's right. So uh, I will let you get yours for sure. There's we gotta have food, entertainment, <laughs> dancing. Yes. And you guys married, right? Yes. But I'm Bring single that week. I'm single that weekend. No. <laughs> on the podcast, you can say anything. <laughs> yeah, we say anything on here, Kenny. They don't listen. Wives, love, wives don't listen. On Valentine's Day, too. All right. What happens in the music box on Friday night, All-Stars stays in the music That's box. Right. That's right. right. That's right. Listen, Kenny, I was at your last party when the All-Star game was in L.A., LA too. Um, it was, uh, I think it was at a place somewhere in West Hollywood fabulous party yeah. so i know how you do it well this is this is great I, I have some great sponsors that came aboard you know farmers has done a great job of you know bringing uh you know their 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 cachet to it they do great things in the community but then they you know being part of this event and we're doing another event actually saturday at where we rented out all the paramount studios so and that's oh, wow. for kids we got five thousand kids we got carrie hilson performing wow. lloyd performing you know, all for free. Everything's free. So you know how I do it. Everything is free. And like I said, Farmers, Sean John, 
you know, the Beats headphones and Enesco Records all involved. So this is going to be a, a really big weekend because it, it's a give back weekend. I always feel that a lot of times there's so many events that you have to pay for. Yeah. So let me try to do events that are a little exclusive, but if you can get in, it's everything's free. No, that's huge. That's huge, Kenny. We uh, All Star Weekend, Kenny. You know, is kind of I, I liken it to the, the NBA Super Bowl weekend in terms of having all the biggest stars around. You know, you put them all on this stage. What? Who? I mean, who stands to be the guy that we talk about leaving All Star Weekend? You know, is it Blake Griffin's weekend to kind of, you know? pound his feet into that L.A., you know, concrete as, as a true superstar? Or is this Kobe's time, you know, at this stage? Was Who's the guy we leave All-Star Weekend talking about? Well, this is either going to be Kobe's last hurrah because I think this is the last time that he's really going to be considered athletically better than everybody or just as good as everybody. So mm-hmm. this might be his last hurrah, so to speak. In L.A., you know he's going to go for the MVP, first of all. Let's mm-hmm. start there. Mm-hmm. Uh, then... Kevin Durant, this might be his coming out party, right. saying, okay, I'm really, you know, put myself in this stratosphere. We know what LeBron and, and D-Wade do, but I think those two guys are the guys that I think are going to take this All-Star game a little bit more serious. Kenny, uh, as a former slam dunk contest competitor, who, who, who are you rolling with this year? For the, for the, you think it's Blake or someone else? Well, I'm, I'm mentoring, you know, each dunker has a mentor, and I'm yeah. mentoring, you know, they, they just happened to ask me what I wanted to play Griffin. I was like, ah, I'm not doing that, and I'll take Blake. <laughs> so I, I think he's secretary of the whole thing. You know, so Blake Griffin, is, he's the guy, he's the horse that everybody's betting on. He, you know, physically, he jumps into the NBA, and he's one of the top three athletes in the world. So obviously this is an athletic competition. He's going to be – He's the guy that you have to be. And what we've seen in the games, if he did those dunks that we've seen in the games, in the dunk contest, they're nines. So we can imagine when he doesn't have anyone there and some adrenaline, what he might be able to do as well to take it to the next level. Yeah. And I'm going to tell you this. I've been working. We've been talking about different ideas. He's doing a dunk. Have you always say you've seen every dunk? He's yeah. going to do a dunk that you've never seen in your life before. <laughs> I'm going to let you know that. You, this dunk has never been seen, the dunk that he's going to attempt. Oh, now you got me fired. Now I'm, I was already fired up. Now you got me really fired up. <laughs> <laughs> Without question. Kenny, you, go, you take the All-Star game to a lot of cities and everything shuts down. I'm talking about when it was here in Atlanta, I think it took me three hours to get from, you know, the, the Marriott Marquis to the, to the Cheesecake Factory in Buckhead. What what will L.A. be like? Because I know it's such a sprawling city, and when it was there before, I was out in some areas where you could ask five people, hey, what's going on this weekend, and they wouldn't have known the NBA All-Star game was there. What What is it going to be like in L.A. With, with all these people, you know, in the same spot? Because last time it was there, we didn't have L.A. Live and all that stuff right by the Staples Center. Right. I think now the carnival atmosphere has increased. Mm-hmm. Uh, so when there's a big event in, in downtown L.A., everyone flocks to it more more like traditional cities mm-hmm. where, you know, in L.A., like you said, it is spread out. You can go in the Valley. You can go in Hollywood. You can go downtown. You can go outskirts. You can go even a dog on there, San Diego. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. You can go all the way down, up and down to five. But now it is things are starting to become more concise in a concise area in these kind of events. 
uh, I do hear more talk about All-Star Weekend mm -hmm. than I've ever heard before in Los Angeles because, like you said, people here are so laissez-faire. Yeah. It's like, you know, they're on the beach. <laughs> you know, they're doing their thing out here. They're not worried about a basketball game. So I think this is the first year that I really feel that the All-Star Game is kind of taking over the city a little bit more. As someone, Kenny, as someone who participated in a couple of All-Star Weekends and as a player, is does getting named to the team, does being in the contest, does that stuff still matter to the players? I tell you, the one regret I have in my NBA career is that I never made an All-Star game. Mm -hmm. That's the only regret. And so I, I really feel like, you know, so the, I, I know there was about three years that I was really close, you know, mm -hmm. averaging about 17 points, 18 points, and eight assists at All-Star break, but there was guys like Magic Johnson, John Stockton, Clyde Drexler <laughs> that were always going to be voted in. Right, so there yeah. was really uh, one spot, and if Kevin Johnson's having his year, you're not in. So they're taking four guards. So it's like Kevin or Gary Payton, Gary Payton, Kenny's no, you're not going. Yeah. So every year. So that's my one regret. So, yes, I would say that guys are very excited about being part of the dunk, uh, the, the All-Star and even part of, part of the skills competitions, the dunk contest, the three-point, because those contests actually, those are the only times where you're on the floor by yourself, yeah. without yeah. your teammates, without anybody else, and you got 22,000 people in the whole world watching you. Yeah. You go you gonna need a clone this weekend, aren't you? I mean you gotta do the you on Team Texas, right? In the uh yep. in the skill. I mean how, how you gonna do all this? You gonna host parties, you're gonna be broadcast, I mean how you gonna get all this done this weekend? Man, the one thing is you sleep before this weekend <laughs> because there's no sleep till Brooklyn. <laughs> 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 no doubt about it. Well, listen, Kitty, we plan on being in attendance at all of this stuff, man. We can't wait. And uh, look, looking forward to a huge weekend. We'll definitely be at the party. Uh, you know, I'm, I may even drag some people along with me Wednesday night to the premiere of uh, The Architect. I know they're having hey. a screening of that movie, and I want to see that as well. Okay, perfect, perfect. My brother Vince, they got a move. They're doing a documentary about uh, that's that's going on Wednesday. And it, it, the great thing about, like I said, I had some. I might have to send you guys. I have Farmers as a great sponsor, like I told you. But Sean, Sean, I gave all everybody at the studio suits to come in to the party. So I might have to send y'all Sean John suits. Oh man, yeah, I need a suit. I need a, I need an extra. Puff was like, Puff was like, yo, they got to come right. I was like, okay, we gonna get some suits for them. I called <laughs> Dr. Dre and Jimmy Iovine. They sent Beats, so we gave everybody Beats, cell phones, and suits. We might. I'm gonna send me your suit sizes, baby. Send me no your doubt, suit sizes. no doubt. We're sending it right now. I'm t I got, I got our producer on it right now. We are gonna be in the I house. Know Lang don't have a suit, so we gonna have to make sure he's safe. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Makes a sweater vest. I need, yeah, I might need a sweater vest, Kenny, but it's all good. I'll take it. All right, <laughs> all right no Kenny. Place. We appreciate right. you, man. And we'll see you in LA for All Star Thanks, Weekend, Kenny. bro. Okay, thank you. All right, now Kenny Smith of TNT joining us on the Hang Time Podcast. I, Are you fired up, Seku? I'm geeked because, like, you know, the last time it was in LA, in Lang, I'm trying to remember did we hang out the last time it was in LA or not? Because I didn't stay. I didn't go the last time I was in LA. You didn't? Okay, yeah. I had wifey with me and. And uh, and my sister came along, like so. We stayed out, way out, like you know, out in West LA, Beverly Hills, like somewhere off the beaten path, you know, nowhere near the rest of the media. I was only showing up downtown to Staples for whatever the events were. So everybody's like, "Man, I didn't even know you were here. I hadn't seen you." Blah blah blah. And it was like, "We're in LA. You could be anywhere. You know what yeah. I mean? You could, you could literally be anywhere in LA, 
and be totally removed from All-Star Weekend's festivities. But again, now that we got L.A. Live and everything right down there, compacted in the you know, downtown, right across the street from the Staples Center, though, you know, those lights will be flashing. It'll, you know, it'll be like, it'll be like some, you know, nonstop weekend premiere going on, you know, because it's going to be events every night, uh, you know, and the atmosphere is always great at All-Star Weekend. I don't care where it is, whether it's, uh, you know, Vegas or, you know, Houston, it's, the atmosphere is always fantastic for All-Star Weekend. And why, you didn't go the last time, I was in, where were you, what were you doing the last time? I'm trying to remember. It was like when was it? 2004, Four, I think. Michael, by yeah. the way, we need let's get us measured up now for suits. <laughs> we don't want to miss out on this party. <laughs> um, but yeah, where were you in 2004, Lane? I was here in New York. I can't remember. Something came up and I had to stay. And Russ and Ryan went out there from mm. Slam. But I've been to everyone since I think 2005. Okay, yeah, because I hadn't missed in a while. I I've made everyone. I'm trying to think what. I remember it was snowing. I was living in Indianapolis at the time, and it was like four inches of snow on the ground when we left um, on our flight to L.A. for All-Star that year. And we had like a – we didn't have a direct flight, I don't think, on the way out. We stopped in Vegas <laughs> and then like flew from Vegas into L.A. And it was like the people that got on the plane in Vegas, like we thought we were ready to see the All-Star weekend. The people that got on the plane in Vegas, bonkers. I'm talking about old ladies – Everybody was ready for a party. By the time that plane hit the ground in L.A., man, it was it was a catastrophe. I think I got a convertible. The weather was great. I don't think I put the top up ever. I mean, the top was down the entire time I was there. <laughs> um, it, I mean, it was a great all-star weekend. And like I said, that was before you had all of this stuff centrally located where you could just go to everything right down there at L.A. Live and at the Staples Center. So I'm, it should be a fantastic weekend. Um, anybody that's going – you know, you, you're doing the right thing. And anybody that's not, I'm I'm sorry, and I'll take pictures for you. <laughs> <laughs> but we we want to make sure we get our all-star predictions in, Lang, before we get out of here. All right. Um, Kenny talked about this being Kobe's last stand, maybe, you know, in terms of, you know, having supremacy over the, the league. Uh, Kevin Durant, all these guys. Who do you think is coming away with the big awards out of all-star weekend? What do you want to start with, MVP? Yeah, let's go with the, the MVP of the game. I mean, let's, no, let's go with the MVP of the game first. Let's do it in reverse order. We, I, I mean, because no offense to certain, you know, events, but I don't care who wins the celebrity game. No, you know, I'm not okay. knocking Michael Rappaport and whoever else Bieber. is balling. Yeah, Justin Bieber and Usher and whoever else is balling. All in right, the, uh, well, for, for the game, I'm going to go with Kobe for the MVP. You think he's gay? Yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a pretty safe bet. <laughs> he does like that stage now. He's used to it. The fans there love him. Uh, you know, him being the hometown guy, I think the guys on the team will mostly defer to him. Right. And uh, I think it's kind of set up for him to do well. Although, uh, Kenny mentioned Kevin Durant. I thought that was an interesting name to throw out there. Because he's not a guy people have been chirping about heading into all People talked about him all summer. And right. then, you know, after the World Championships and then going into the season, it's kind of quieted a little bit. Yeah. You picking uh, who you got in the dunk contest? Well, you didn't make your pick. Oh, that's right. Uh, MVP, you know what? I'm going to go with LeBron for MVP. I think LeBron's the kind of guy that will want to go into Kobe's house yeah. and, and steal this thing. Although, yeah, I'm, I'm going to say LeBron, but I'm not sure. He or D-Wade, D I think both of them would love to go into Staples this weekend and show off a little bit at Kobe's expense. But I'm going to go with MVP. LeBron. I'd hate to see that. 
They do that though. I know they, they do it. Things. I know. I remember Shaq and Kobe shared it that yeah, year. In Phoenix. And uh, but I'm I'm gonna I'm stick with my pick and say maybe I, I think LeBron maybe shows up and tries to tries to get a triple double and show out a little bit. Okay, Michael, who you got? I'm actually I'm gonna go KD because I feel like uh, that's a little yeah. long. That's that Longhorn. He's, I, you know, he's I, in I there throwing up the hook of the horns, man. Thing about uh, about about KD is that he he'll take shots from anywhere. So I just feel like he'll start <laughs> hoisting threes, and if he gets hot, he could have like a Glenn Rice kind of quarter where he just put, puts up twenty or something. <laughs> yeah. All right, I'll say this. So I think for the rookie sophomore game is do we know is Griffin gonna play in that game? I, we haven't heard anything definitive one way or the other, have we? I don't know I how he could. I mean, his legs would be jelly by by Sunday yeah. afternoon. If he was playing in that game, I'd pick him to be the MVP of that. Right. You know, the local guy. But I would imagine he won't play just because, you know, they're going to arrest him. Mm-hmm. So for the rookie sophomore game, I would – I don't know. Maybe – how about Steph Curry? All right. How's that Steph, for – Steph, will, yeah, he's a good candidate. I mean – he's, he's one of those guys who could get hot. Yes, Yes, the, and the the rookies barely, you know, rarely win or whatever, right? Right. They so, won last year. I know they I won last year, but they won, rarely, yeah, they won like time. one at a time. Other than that, yeah. I'm going with. Uh, I'm going to take. I'm going to take the rookies in the upset, okay. and I'm taking John Wall as the MVP because he's had to play, you know, in Blake Griffin's shadow for much of this season. Yeah. This is his turn to kind of get out there and, you know, do the do the Dougie and all that good stuff, and yeah. you know, I mean, I I just think. The showmen are the guys who really end up having a chance to take over the all-star, you know, that rookie sophomore game. Right. Um, what about you, Mike? I'm actually I'm, I'm looking at the rosters. Oh, I he's cheap. Juan Blair had, what, like a 20-20 last year. Yeah, yeah, but, you know, how many times are you going to get a dude that tries to get 20 rebounds in an Well, but they don't, you know, they don't have a whole lot of size on the rookie team. <laughs> i, I got to feel like it's coming from the sophomores. I might uh, I might take Reek. I feel like he's kind of been under the radar a little bit this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I haven't talked about him as much, but he's going to dominate the ball when he plays. So Brandon I'll, I'll could be Reek. another guy, too. Brandon Jennings. Yeah. He could Just, be um, coming off injury. and From L.A. Right. And he's he's always great in those All Star games because he has such flash and flair. Yeah. You know. Um. All right. Dunk contest. Dunk contest next. Who you got? Let's let Micah go first in this one since he's cheating in there. Who you got, Mike? I, I mean, it feels stupid to say anybody <laughs> other than Blake Griffin, no. but I will say this: from our podcast, he was the only dude that it seemed like he was like, oh, I'm just going to show up and throw down some dunks. Everyone else seemed like they're really putting a lot of a lot of practice time into it, and I don't know if that helps him or hurts him. But it seems dumb to take anybody else but Blake. Yeah. Uh, I think so, too. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to go against the hometown favorite. Uh, I, I'll say this. We are the, – the, us here on this podcast are uniquely qualified to make a prediction here because <laughs> we're the only people who've talked to every one of those guys. <laughs> That's a very good point. And if you missed the Slam Dunk special edition of the Hang Time Podcast, you need to get online and check yeah. it out because it was, it was good stuff. I, You know what? There's no way Blake Griffin leaves this weekend if Kenny's without that trophy. If Kenny Smith says he's got a dunk plan that nobody's ever seen, and the one I, thing we didn't have a chance to ask Kenny, I was going to ask him is like, you know, it's just as important not only to have those kind of dunks, but like to know the order you're going to do them in right, and right. have a little bit of strategy involved that way. But I, I agree. I think if he's got something like that up his sleeve, it's over already. A lot of people, you know, the other thing that cracks me up though. A lot of people act like these dudes just show up and they kind of throw the ball between their legs a couple of times. And go, hey, what dunk am I going to do? Any guy who shows up like that shouldn't even be in the contest. Like, you got to show up with a plan. Like, come with us. 
come with a plan to win this thing. Let me ask you guys this. Uh, do you think that Blake in this contest has any co- sort of like Tiger Woods effect where the guys, the other guys feel like they got to do something crazy because they think that Blake's going to do something crazy? Mm, I don't think anything cr- crazy is, is in store, but I think, and I don't know why, but just talking to those guys and then watching, I think in their heart of hearts, they all think they can win this thing. Like, And sometimes guys show up knowing, you know, I imagine back in the day when you showed up to the dunk contest and Jordan and Dominique were there, you had a pretty good idea if you were the third and fourth guy or whatever. And seeing as how we can't remember anybody else that was in the contest with him hardly, you know, in the times they won it. But I, I feel like DeMar DeRozan yeah. really has a chance to go up. I mean, he, he's got the skills to do some of the crazy stuff. And he, he won't he, he won't have that unknown deal like, you know, Serge Ibaka and JaVale McGee will have. He Every, barely lost last exactly. year. Exactly. Everybody saw him in it last year. So he knows how the contest operates. These other three guys are fresh to the NBA. So, you know, what about so, this? He's also the shortest guy. I mean, he's 6'6", six, 6'7", six, six, but yeah. he's, he's, he's going to – the other guys are all 6'10", 7 feet, and so right. he's going to look even shorter by comparison to those guys. I think that gives him some sort of advantage with the crowd at least. Uh, of his dunks looking more spectacular, and he's from LA. And he's from so he's yeah. an LA guy too. Yep. I mean, I, I'm going. I mean, I think we're unanimous in, in all picking Blake Griffin to win it. But uh, if there's going to be an upset all weekend, I think the place we'll see it is in the Sprite Slam Dunk Contest. Okay. I think that's the place. You know, if anything's going to, if we leave the weekend saying, "Man, I didn't expect to see that," the, there could be an upset there. Serge is going to come out and he's going to dunk over Vince Carter. <laughs> <laughs> Well, to be an upset in the dunk contest, it just means somebody other than Blake has to win. Exactly. It means anybody yeah. but Blake wins it. Yeah. Uh, so, the the three-point three three contest, about. i just say a Celtic's going to win. I'll say Pierce. <laughs> it, I, think, champ. I think it would be fitting if Ray won it. I, I think I think Ray gets it. I think, I think Ray he goes to, out yeah. on a high note. I think, you know, it's only fitting. He breaks the career three-point record last week, you know, and then he shows up to All-Star Weekend and outdoes Paul Pierce. Okay. That, I think that, that that works for me. All right. All right. And uh, I don't know. What's the skills challenge? Who's they won? I don't think they've announced yet, have they? Have they announced the, the, kind of, the, the guys? You can still vote, vote, right? Can you still vote? Yeah. I don't know who's going to win that thing. And, you know, the 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 Saturday night events, you know, I'm I'm kind of a dunk contest snob, so I like sit around and watch the other things. I do like the three-point contest. I won't lie. But I kind of sit around watching everything else on Saturday night like this. You know, like, all right, now, when's the, you know, let's get to the dunk contest. Because I think it's pretty well established on this podcast. We are fans of the, the slam dunk. Yes. The, the the shot itself. I, I know that doesn't sit well with, you know, a lot of John Wooden disciples and other people who are maybe not as big of fans. But I, I like to see somebody dunk. So um, I'm with you. I'll, yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll be looking forward to the slam dunk contest on Saturday night. Uh, Lang, if you could – if you could get into one party other than Kenny's all weekend, which one would it be? That's a good question. You know, to be honest, I haven't even, like, somebody emailed me the other name. was like, hey, what, which party is he going to? And I was like, I have no idea. I haven't, <laughs> I haven't spent five <laughs> minutes looking at it. I got so much other stuff to do. I know. Somebody sent me a list of the parties the other day, and I started running, scrolling down the list. There are more parties this weekend than anything else. I mean, there was, yeah. like, 30, 30 different things on the list. Um. Yeah. And I, you know, I've, I've skipped out on parties in the past. Some things I show up to, some things I don't. Um, 
I'm I'm now I'm really anxious to get into Kenny's party. I hope we don't get stopped at the door and get the old uh, your name is not on the list routine. <laughs> tell, me your is, tell me your name is Vince Smith. I'm gonna say my name is Vince Akatea. But uh, I'm hoping we get in because um, I don't want to miss that one. I do I do think there's a couple other. This is L.A. now, so there has there have to be a couple of swanky Hollywood type throwing parties. You know what I'm saying? I have a feeling there's going to be plenty of things going on all weekend. Yeah, I mean, I, no offense, but I don't want to I don't want to shut down media hospitality every night with Lang <laughs> while we're in L.A. I'd, I'd much prefer we're out somewhere hanging out and uh, you know yapping with people that hang that listen to the Hang Time podcast. So. Um, Micah, we're going to bring you back a can of sunshine, uh, all the ticket stubs to everything we went to, and we'll get Lang a extra medium all-star t-shirt signed by Carmelo Anthony, Syracuse guy, and figure that, you know, will that, will that suffice for you, Cats? I guess. <laughs> <laughs> will that work? All right, well, listen, Lang, next time I talk to you, hopefully we'll be standing in, you know, 70-degree weather, downtown L.A. somewhere, laughing, yucking it up. Uh, we appreciate you joining us on the Hang Time Podcast. we got to give a special shout-out to our two guests today, David Locke. Uh, you can re- catch him at Locked on Sports on Twitter. Uh, you know, gave us some great insights on Darren Williams, Jerry Sloan's retiring, and all the stuff going on with Utah Jazz. And then Kenny Smith, the party master himself from TNT. Check him out Thursday night on the doubleheader, and then – you know, hopefully we'll see him again this weekend, partying, hanging out, doing our thing in L.A. for All-Star Weekend. Next time, and we'll, and we'll certainly wrap it up next time on the Hang Time Podcast. So we appreciate you joining us. Check us out next time, and we'll see you then. Later. Thanks for listening to the Hang Time Podcast. To download more episodes of the show, visit the iTunes Music Store. Be sure to check out the Hang Time blog on NBA.com. And for more of Lang, visit SlamOnline.com. You can follow Seku and Lang on Twitter at SekuSmithNBA and Lang with it. The Smyrna Spartans have yet to get on Twitter, but we'll let you know when they do. 